0: But we don't stop there. We also focus on the person in salesperson. We talk about mindset, goals, time management, and so much more. So thank you for listening. And if you're interested, head on over to patreon.com slash inside sales excellence. Now with that, grab a notepad, get ready, and let's dive into the good stuff. What up everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Live Better Sell Better Podcast. This is your host, Kevin Dorsey, aka K D. And I could not be more excited about the topic we have today because it's around something that we don't talk about nearly enough. And I think a lot of people assume they're the only ones that feel it. And the topic is imposter syndrome. There's this feeling in our gut, our stomach, our chest when we want to do something, but we feel like we Shouldn't, or we feel like our opinion won't be heard, or we feel like we can't ask for that raise or ask for the promotion. And we tend to be our own worst enemies and we hold ourselves back as opposed to moving ourselves forward. And I'm so excited to have Ali Rosacos with us today because Ali and I actually go back quite a few years, right? She was working with the big boys, right? She's right, Salesforce, high performer manager. Then she goes into the startup world, leading teams there with the small shops and building teams. And then finally, something happened, and she went out on her own. She leaned into her own fears, her own insecurities, and went out and is creating her dream life. In fact, right now, she is where I want to be, which (laughs) is in Costa Rica, doing what she loves, helping other people. So we are going to dive into imposter syndrome, taking the leap, going out on your own, and so much more. Allie, welcome to the show. Thanks, man. What a great intro. I'm like
1: so pumped about talking about it because you made it sound so exciting. <laughs>
0: I've I've been told that's the only reason guests show up now is they just I want yeah. the intro, Katie. I want the yeah, intro, yeah. and then after that, like we're we're done. So no, I I think this is really really exciting. You know, I've you know followed your journey for a while, and then it took a turn. All of a sudden, it took a, yeah. a turn, right, in terms yeah. of your career pathing and everything. So let's go back just a little bit, right? Because you were you were working for you know Salesforce. And then you Mm -hmm. went into the startup world and now you went on your own. Mm -hmm. How long did you know you wanted to go solo? Like how long was that kind of in the back of your head?
1: So the, the not so secret, I talk about it a little bit, but um, the real story is that it's been in the back of my mind for like at least seven years. So when I was at Salesforce in my second, second year of being at Salesforce, so I was an AE at the time. And I was kind of feeling lost. I was kind of like, you know, that the second you, you're not, you like have a bad month in sales, you're like, is sales for me, right? Yes. You have a freak out moment. <laughs> so that happened to me for a couple months. And through total, just like synchronicity and serendipity, I ended up finding a coach, which was, this is like in 2013, didn't even know what a coach was, had no idea. Um, but I was just like, listen, if this person can help me, I'm down. And so that's how I originally found coaching. And from being coached, I fell in love with coaching. And the second I fell in love with coaching, I was like, this is what I want to do with my life, right? Yeah. But I'm still at, you know, big boy Salesforce, right? Like I'm still in the machine and I still recognize that I still had a lot to learn, right? So as much as I knew I had that this dream that I wanted to someday go out on my own and build this incredible life, I still knew that I had, you know, a journey at Salesforce, but yeah. So I stayed at Salesforce for six more years. And then, as you said, I left to do uh, the startup thing for about a year or 16 months or whatever it was, um, and then made the leap. So this has been in the making, like in my subconscious for a very Mm -hmm. long time.
0: So a seven-year overnight success. And I put success in quotes (laughs) because we'll talk about kind of the defining moment there. But actually, I think this, this leads in very well. We'll get into imposter syndrome right out the gate here, because you said something that I think holds a lot of people back initially when they want to make a leap in anything, right? Whether that's a job or a career change, relationships, whatever else is, they sometimes can over-rely on learning, right? We tell ourselves, mm-hmm. you know, I need to learn a little bit more, mm-hmm. I Need to learn a little bit more before I do this thing, right? Yeah. So yeah. how did you make that leap from feeling like you had to learn more to you know what, I'm ready to mm-hmm. do this. I'm ready to make this leap.
1: So a couple things happened. So the pandemic, obviously, right. Which, you know, gave us all like way more time in our lives. Cause one of the big reasons, you know, while I was, um, while I was at Salesforce, I, um, there was periods of time where I had some private clients, but most of the time I did it because obviously you're, you know, you don't have enough time in your day to like be a full-time leader and take on private clients. Like it was just going to be too much. Right. So, Mm -hmm. but then the pandemic happened and we're all, you know, stuck at home and, you know, I'm in Toronto, not currently, but I was in Toronto and everything was locked down for a really long time. So like we had nothing to do. And so I started, the coaching thing kind of came back up for me. Right. I was kind of like, all right, you know, I haven't thought about this dream in a while. Like, I guess I have time. Like, why don't I start? I just actually had the thought. I didn't say it out loud. I said, why don't I start trying to get private clients again, right? And so that happened in my mind, not even out loud. Um, I kind of set an intention. And then at the same time, I looked at, so I was head of enablement, and which is a very project-based role, right? So you kind of look at your projects for the year. And we were in you know, yearly planning at the time, because this was like February, right? And I was looking at these projects, and I was like, to your point. Right. Like, am I going to learn? Right. And of course I would have learned, right. These the projects would have been, you know, um, a learning opportunity, but I said to myself, but what's the learning opportunity if I did this coaching thing. Right. Mm-hmm. And that was just like a hundred X. Right. And, you know, I said to myself, am I going to be happier, you know, on December 31st, if I complete these projects at this company, or if I make this leap? and start this dream. Even if it doesn't work out or whatever happens, like which one am I going to be way more happy and not regret? And the obvious decision was, was the second one. But what happened in the meantime, which is kind of crazy, is so I set that intention in my head that I want to get clients. I'm not even shitting you. Sorry, I think we can swear. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> a week later, I get a text message from a random number. Not on my phone, right? Just random number. And it's like, hey, my name is blank. Um, I work with so-and-so you actually probably know him because he's in the sales world and he told me that you're a coach and I've been looking for a coach and I'm um, just wondering if you're still coaching so the person that referred her to me is what a past like leader that I worked for we've kept in touch but we're not even super close so it's kind of random that he even suggested me right mm-hmm. and like never did I ask him to refer people awesome. to. like it was literally so freaking eerie like I was like I woke up and I'm like oh my God, I manifested this. Like literally I manifested this. Yes. And and so yeah, I signed her on as a client and no word of a lie, a month later, one of my past clients reached out to me and was like, hey, are you still coaching? And I'm like, all right, that's two clients without even trying, without even telling people I'm doing this. No, Like clearly the world is telling me something, but clearly the world needs this right now. Like I very much saw through the pandemic that everyone was suffering. And I want it to be a part of ending that suffering.
0: So, how did you get over that "what if"? Right, you said it very briefly. There, I was like, you know, will I be happier if you know I do these projects, or will I be happier if I go and do this? And even if it doesn't work out, because I think that's also where a lot of people get stuck—is they go, "Well, what if it fails? Or what if I don't make money? Or what if people judge me?" All the "what ifs" happen. How Mm -hmm. did you get over that "what if"? And maybe another way to even ask this is, how did you, I guess, get comfortable with the idea of failing? Right? It's like, all right, what if I do this and it doesn't work? And you still did it? How how did you work through that fear that I think a lot of people have?
1: Yeah. So this is where I actually have, like, I guess, a potentially different take on imposter syndrome in itself, okay. right? Because how you described it is, is very true, right? Um, but when I looked at my life if I stayed in that role of, of head of enablement. I was feeling major imposter syndrome, by the way, when I was the head of enablement because I had never had that kind of title before. I'd never really done these types of projects and I'm utilizing my skills and my resourcefulness to like literally figure it out as I go, right? And I mean, by the way, that's what everyone fucking does. But <laughs> but it makes yes. you feel like you don't know what you're doing, right? Um, so that creates imposter syndrome, right? And so I was feeling huge amounts of imposter syndrome at, at my job. And then, but when I, when I'm coaching, like, cause I have private clients, like I never feel like an imposter. Like I never mm. feel that feeling. Like when I'm coaching, I feel in complete alignment with myself. Right. And that was the other reason why I wanted to take on a couple of clients before I made the leap. Obviously it's like kind of a smart decision, but it was also like to check in with myself to say, okay, after these coaching calls, like, what do I feel? Right. Like, am I exhausted? Am I drained? Am I energized? Like and i would get off these calls and i would like run into the other room you know to my boyfriend and be like oh my god like what a good call like la 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 and he was just like whoa like this is such a different you than i've been seeing every single day right and it was just like so obvious that like i was being an imposter to stay in that job mm-hmm. right so imposter syndrome sometimes is actually alerting you to the fact that you are actually an imposter because this job is not what you're meant to be doing like you have a larger purpose or a different purpose in this world to fulfill. And this is not it, right? So for Ooh. me, I took it as a sign and not like, oh, I'm just not good enough. Like it wasn't that I'm not good enough. It's that it's, this is not, this is not my tribe. This is not my mission, you know?
0: Whoa. So now we're getting, we're getting deep now. So I knew this is going to be good. I knew this is going to be good. So, okay. So then how can you tell the difference? Because I think sometimes people take exactly what you do and what you felt and say like, well, that's why I'm not ready. Right. Because Mm -hmm. I feel these things. That's why I'm not ready. You know, I am scared of that job. So I shouldn't do it. So how, you know, like how do you walk that line between imposter syndrome, which is holding you back from something that you are ready for. And the flip side of like reading the signs that maybe it's not right for you. So I think we talk ourselves out of things all the time, right? It was like, oh, you know, yeah, I didn't do well in that interview, but that's, that's because, you know, it wasn't going to be right for me anyway, right? So how do you, I guess, how do you weigh that out? Is there a way to weigh that out of like, okay, is this imposter syndrome speaking or is this me just holding myself? So
1: And I think what that comes down to is really, you know, the crux of the work that I do with people, which is that you have to be super, super clear on your core values, right? Like, what is it that you actually care about in this world? What is it that you actually need in order to thrive? Right. And so that's what, like, for me, it was like clearly coaching aligns 100% to my core values. Now, a lot of people, like, I think when, um, whenever I say values, people can probably like list off 25 values that they have, but that's like really irrelevant because it's just like too confusing and too chaotic. I force people to narrow down the, those twenty-five into two, but I'll give people like a head start on on that because what I've actually realized is that there are two universal core values that we all have, right? And I think everyone can use these in order to get over, like, figure out that distinction that you just made, right? Like, is this A or is this B? So the two core values that we all have are growth and community and the way that we express those in the world show up differently. That's our own like kind of unique expression of growth and community. You know, Some people are creative and so like that's the way that they experience both growth and community, right? They have a creative community and the way because they're creative, they are able to grow so on and so forth, right? So it's all expressed uniquely, but it always comes back to to growth and community, which makes total sense because it is like in our DNA. If you think back to, you know, hard to gather when we were in tribes, you get exiled from the tribe, you die, right? that tribe doesn't evolve, you die, right? So growth and community, right? Needing to belong and needing to evolve, right? And so when we don't have growth in our life, we feel alone. And when we don't have, sorry, when we don't have growth, we feel stuck. And when we don't have community, we feel alone. Which I mean, literally the two most monumental sufferings in the entire world, right? And so when, so when you're at that chasm, that decision point, use those two values, those core needs in the world, growth and community, to make the decision, right? Is going out on my own gonna grow me? Am I gonna find a community of people and surround myself with inspiring badass people that are gonna help me grow? Or staying here? Is there opportunity to grow? Is there a community that's gonna, you know, you know, help cultivate and support me, so on and so forth? it will become very clear which path is better suited for you based on what tribe you want to be a part of and how that tribe is going to help you grow. Because we're, let's say that we're all a part of communities, but sometimes we're a part of communities that don't help us. Right. Like I was saying to some of my clients today, I'm like, there's like, there's a, the best feeling in the world and the worst feeling in the world. The best feeling in the world is when you're with people and you're like, Oh, I wish there was more time. I, I just want to keep talking to you. Right. Like, when you and I chat, right? That's how mm-hmm. I feel, like I, you know, it's about to be like the end of this conversation and I'm not gonna want it to end, right? And that's the best feeling in the world because you know you found your per- like your person and your people. But mm-hmm. the worst feeling in the world is when you're like, when is this conversation gonna be I gotta get out of here, right? And like, those just aren't your people, that's not your tribe, right? And so it's so important to find your people and find your tribe because that, Community is what will exponentially help you grow. You can grow on your own, but you can grow way faster and way bigger with people.
0: And I and I love that. And I think it really does come down to also like taking action. So I want to take a step back to something else you said there, right? Is like I think a lot of people can resonate with what you mentioned of like after the fact you feel great. Like after you're working with a client, you feel amazing. After you get off stage, you feel great. Like after you you know went for the clothes, you feel great. But it's that that five seconds before to actually make the decision that mm-hmm. most people never do. They know afterwards, mm-hmm. even like going to the gym. Going to the gym, right? Going yeah. is the hardest part. Once you're there, people are like, oh, yeah, this feels great. Yeah. What's some of the advice you give people to actually make that leap? To actually mm-hmm. do the things that, you know, it, that, like, this is so simple, but not easy. Where it's like, you know what made you happy. A lot of people know what makes them happy. But then it's scary. scary. So like, what are some of the pieces of advice you give people to actually take that step to to push through that fear, to get into kind of the actions they should be taking?
1: Yeah, this might seem like exactly what I just said, but I I think it becomes less scary when you know your values, right? Okay. Like, if you know that this decision that you're about to take is so aligned with your core values and it's going to honor them, it can still be scary, right? But you know that it's going to be the right decision, right? Because it's gonna align, right? It's when you don't know your values and you're just like making a decision and you have no measuring stick of like, is this the right one or not? That I think the fear becomes too overwhelming, mm-hmm. right? Cause okay. the fear I think will always be there but it's that inner knowing that allows you to say, fuck, I know this is scary as hell but I know this is what I need to do. Like, I know this is aligned and I'm just going to do it regardless because I know it's going to be better on the other side, even though this is
0: freaking scary. Oh, uh, so I, I love, you just mentioned this, right? Does it ever really go away? The Fear the, the, the imposter syndrome, does it ever go away or does it just get less?
1: Like, I don't feel imposter syndrome at all anymore. Like, I really, really don't. And people ask me, like, how did I do that? I'm like, well, I don't have, why would I feel like an imposter? Like, I'm doing exactly what I want to be doing, you know? And like, I'm living my dream. Where would I, where would the imposter show up? Right. Mm -hmm. I think the only place that um, it can, it can like rear itself is when, like, listen, we all have beliefs, right? And sometimes those beliefs are kind of the common beliefs in the world and sometimes are a little bit outside of the common, right And I feel like for myself I have some of my beliefs are outside of the common world, like the common kind of corporate rhetoric, right mm-hmm. And so claiming that publicly, right claiming that space to be other than what everyone else is talking about, not that you're it not that I feel like an imposter, but it feels scary, right It feels scary to say actually, this is what I believe. And this is the world that I believe in. And I'm going to be okay if you don't believe in my world, you know, because you all, because we all want community. We all want to fit in. We all want to belong. So we play, we play the fitting in game for a long ass time. But that's also when imposter syndrome shows up because you're just trying to fit in. You're not actually being yourself, right?
0: Yes. And I think and I hope that's a message people are getting from this is like when you are yourself, there is no imposter because you are you. You can't, it's only when you aren't yourself. And I went through this in my career, especially early on, like, and Mm -hmm. I'm sure there's things we can resonate here as as a female leader, as a minority leader, like try to Mm -hmm. to fit in, you know, talk differently, dress differently, do what they did because I wanted to be a part of it, but it never felt good. It never felt right, you know, and that's where the imposter syndrome creeps in a little bit. We're like, who am I? Right. Right. And so do you again, it's alerting
1: you, you that you are being an imposter right now. Right.
0: right? And we always and the, we I think oftentimes with imposter syndrome, we're thinking about we're imposters to other people. When in reality, it's like it's the imposter is self. like here, like we are the imposter. Mm-hmm. They are who they are. They're probably being an imposter, too, for themselves. Right. Like right. J- John Barrows and I have joked about this before. I'm like so often after our presentations or speeches or whatever, people will come up and say, thanks for being real. Right. And you're like, and we, as like, when being real else? becomes so rare Honorable.
1: Honorable. <laughs> that it's yeah, something exactly. to be
0: called out. So do yeah. you, do you work with your, your clients and all, like how, I guess this is going to sound weird. And if this is a dumb question, you know, we'll move on, but like how to know who they are, because for a lot of us, we have been pretending for so long 100%. that we don't know who we are. We don't know what our values are because we've always yeah. been trying to take other people's on. So like, yeah. how do you work with people to maybe discover that a little bit?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's honestly the the basis of my coaching. Right. So like the, um, I have kind of like core curriculum, if you will, mm-hmm. but it's not about me teaching my clients anything. It's about actually teaching them about who they are. Right. So, The first three sessions that we go through, there are like um, uh, assigned exercises that are all about going inwards and all about you know values, strengths, that negative self-talk stuff. And we can get into that because it's fucking fascinating. But figuring out like what is your specific judge? What does it tell you? What does it sound like? What does it look like? What does it feel like? Right? And that judgy voice shows up. It comes from your childhood, right? So then we kind of we go back a little bit to be like you know, what did you tell yourself as a kid in order to feel like you were lovable, right? We all make up a story when we were like around five years old to say, okay, so my parents aren't meeting all of my needs because I don't know how to communicate them, right? And they're imperfect. You don't say that as a kid. You say, my parents are perfect. I must be damaged and broken so in order for me to be lovable i have to do x to be lovable right so for example i'll give you my example so it makes more sense so i'm i i'm what they call a hyperachiever, right mm. so i made up a story when i was young to say that my parents namely my father because <laughs> we all have daddy issues no matter what our gender is <laughs> that oh, yes. i
0: will
1: i will be lovable to him i will get his approval and his love if I am successful, if I keep doing, if I keep producing, if I achieve things, right? So it was like, I had to be the best at soccer. I had to be the best at dance. I had to be the best at school. I had to get a corporate job. Like I I look at my life and I'm like, holy shit. I've just been literally making decisions as an adult based on some fucking track I developed as a child, right? And we all are, we all mm-hmm. are. And that is like an absolute light bulb moment for my clients to be like, Jesus, like, my whole life has been shaped by this lie. It's a lie. Like, it's a total, it's a delusion that we we created, right? Anyways, going back to it, so we go do all this inner work and create this foundation of like who you are, right? And then we start to solve the challenges of whatever's present in their life. It's if it's trying to get a promotion or a raise or find a different job or leave the corporate world, like. You know the stuff that's getting in the way, we now have this amazing foundation to work with so that we can solve the right problems and not just focus on the symptoms. Mm -hmm. Because when you know who you are and you know what is important to you, you can do it from that place versus like this. I don't really know who I am. I don't know how to solve this problem. Right.
0: I love it. Mine was perfection. Very similar. Mm -hmm. In order to Mm -hmm. be loved, I thought I had to be perfect. I couldn't Mm -hmm. mess up. I had to be perfect to earn my my father's love right and like because if i could be perfect i didn't mess up
1: he will love me for sure
0: he 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 will love me right and i still remember i still remember this i'll never ever forget it the first time i broke six figures first person i called was my father right i I didn't come from much growing up broken home growing up no one on my father's side that i know of at all has ever made that type of money and i called him like dad Mm -hmm. did it it's november just crossed one hundred eleven thousand dollars on my W two so far. So I like got a month ago, I did it, I broke it, and his response was, "That's that's great, son. Um, are are you saving it? Right. Like, like, Still well, didn't do it God. perfectly. Right. It was like, and there wasn't a like, I'm so proud of you. There wasn't a like, oh my gosh, yes, Kevin. It was like, okay, but are are you saving it? I was like, no. Oh damn it. Right. I'm still not. And so it took me a long time to work through that. So I love that you bring it back to that.
1: But that's, but that's his stuff, right? Right. That's his, from his father doing that to him, right? Like that's how he's learned. Right. And so what they're, what we call them in coaching is saboteurs because they literally, Mm -hmm. this perfectionism is is self-sabotage, right? It, It holds you back. It takes over your time, you know, like all this kind of stuff. It's all self-sabotaging beliefs.
0: It's crazy. It's crazy. So, all right. So now we've gotten to this point, right? So, you know, you get your values, you work through, you know, okay, here's who I am, right? Here's, you know, what, maybe some of the backstories from there. And then I guess what comes next to then really, I guess, embrace, right? So I think this idea of like almost the acceptance of oneself, like, okay, now I realize who I am. But in order to no longer be an imposter, I have to to accept it. I have to be able to lean into it and be that person.
1: Mm -hmm. How do you
0: help encourage people then to lean in, right? Like, okay, you've gone through the values. You know who you are. How do I lean in so I'm no longer holding myself back? Whether it's Mm -hmm. because I'm an imposter to myself or I feel like I'm an imposter to others. How do I then break through it to that other side?
1: Yeah. So a big thing that happens with imposter syndrome is overworking. Right. Because you constantly feel like you got to prove yourself. So you say yes to everything that comes up at work and overwork, right? Because you just need to prove, 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 prove. And so what starts to happen when, you know, we go through that foundational work of, of knowing themselves and understanding what's important to them and whatnot, they start to then realize this pattern of trying to prove what is. What does not need to be proved, right? Like your worth doesn't come from achievements. Your worth doesn't come from productivity. Your worth doesn't come from performance. That's what they want you to believe so that you keep doing it, right? We're in the machine, literally, right? But you already are worthy exactly as you are, right? So they start to separate themselves from that kind of um, need to please and need to achieve for their own worth, right? And they start to then create an identity of who they are as just them, not as them, you know, the leader at X company. Right. And so what they start to do, because what usually happens when you overwork is you deprioritize everything else in your life. Right. And then and then you're like, well, I'm not even doing well at work because I'm tired and I'm stressed and I have no friends and I have no community and I never work out. and You're right. Because you're just always trying to prove yourself. So we then start to shift to what are the things that make you feel amazing, right? Like what is in alignment with like your best self, right? And so like some of the like things that they don't even think is going to happen from coaching, but, you know, they start to create a workout routine or they start joining other groups or communities or, you know, they just start creating a new identity for themselves that has nothing to do with their performance at work because they realize that, only focusing on performance at work, doesn't actually make them feel good, right? That's the lie that the saboteurs, right? The self-sabotaging lie that is that you will feel good if you keep performing. Like you'll feel good at the next paycheck. You'll feel good at the next deal. And it's like, yeah, then the next deal comes and then there's another deal and another, it's just the hamster wheel, right? Mm -hmm. So they start to kind of de-identify themselves with that and start to identify themselves with their values and start to prioritize things in their life differently so that their life looks more aligned to their values and not just aligned to achievement as their only value, because that's the only value that they see, right? Is like, if I achieve that, I'm valuable. And that's just not true.
0: I love that. And as we start to get closer to, to the end here, do you have any tactical tips on like what to do in the moment, right? So like right before you have to do something, right? For some people that is, you know, asking for a raise or, you know, going for the clothes or going after promotion, they feel that bubble up. Do you have any exercises to kind of like, I guess bring this all together in the moment, right? Because it's one of those things mm-hmm. like people could hear us talking and they're like, oh yeah, you're right, you got it. Then you're about to walk into your VP's office or you're about to click post on, I'm going solo, right? I still mm. tell a story of like, when I when I started my Patreon, right? This $10 per month, I've closed multiple seven-figure deals right. in my life. Right, right, right. But I was launching a Patreon. Ten dollars a month, and I knew there were tens of thousands of dollars worth of value in there. I was sick to my stomach. I couldn't sleep. I texted wow. all of like my like good like calling you know sales leadership friends and influencer friends. I was like, "Yo, can is...
1: for some support?" Yeah.
0: Well, funny enough, I, I didn't even go for support. I told I texted. This is like eleven o'clock at night. I go to bed at like nine. <laughs> like, I don't stay up till 11. I'm yeah. old, right? But I te- te- you know, these, these are this is Scott, Lee, Richard Harris, yeah. Morgan Ingram, yeah. John Barrows, Rob Jebson Like, I'm texting all my people. and I was like, the look, y'all, ones, yeah. this is going live tomorrow, and I literally don't want you to do anything right now. I'm just telling you so I don't back out. Mm. But I was like, I was definitely afraid in that moment to click go on that. And so like what advice do you have for people kind of in that moment, right? Like I've done a lot of this work. I know this stuff. I've gone through, but there is still Mm -hmm. in that moment this fear that bubbles up. How do you work with people to bring that back down to actually again take that action?
1: Yeah. Well, I love what you did because what you harnessed is the power of community in that moment, right? Because you brought you know, all of your people and you said, I don't even need you to do anything. I just need you to hold this space for me. Right? right. I just need you to know that I'm doing this and you don't like just me knowing, you know, is like good enough, you know, and that is the power of like taking up space with the community and being seen by them. Right. So I love that you created that for yourself, which is definitely a tip, right. For everyone mm-hmm. is like, find you know, find your people and tell them and, and let them hold you accountable as well. But I think the other thing, so one of the practices I help, I um, one of the practices that my clients um, create is gratitude journaling. So they gratitude journal every morning. And so uh, I follow like the five minute journal um, framework. And so the second part of the five minute journal in the morning is like, what are the three things that will make today great? Right. And what I encourage my, my clients to do is think about these moments that are going to be hard, right? You, you maybe you have a meeting with the CEO or like it's a, there's a big deal or whatever. Just like, you know, professional athletes who are about to go into a big game, right? We, always, I'm sure you've heard that they visualize themselves winning, right? They visualize themselves like, you know, getting the like ball in the basket type of thing. Visualize that moment. Like, how are you going to show up in that moment? Who do you want to be? How do you want to show up? visualize it and write it down it is just like subconscious programming that makes it happen without you even really having to think about it in the moment because you've already pre-thought about it right and your mind is unable to create what it can't think about so think about it in the morning and it will create it for you in that moment right but if you don't think about it then you're just winging it and then all right. your fears and your saboteurs and all self-sabotaging bullshit shows up because it's like Haha, here we go. Right. Like mm-hmm. you didn't pre-think about it. So here we are. Right.
0: Yes. One of my favorite quotes around this. I wish I could find who said it, but now like the internet gives credit to anything and everything. So you never know who yeah. actually said it. So exactly. hopefully like in another decade, people credit me for this quote. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, it's, this it is worry is a waste of imagination.
1: Mm. Oh
0: God. Yeah. We have this powerful, it's what separates us truthfully from most of the other animals on this planet is we can imagine that have never existed before. We can imagine multiple yeah. outcomes in reality, but we use it most of the time for, for worry. worry. And yeah. like that—that's always been one of mine. Is like if you're going to use this tool called imagination, don't waste it on worry. Like yeah. we're no—we're no longer in the hunter-gatherer days where that's all we had to do was worry. Like, am I going to eat? Thing. Am I going to yeah. be safe? Is it going to storm? Yeah. Is there a saber-tooth tiger? Whatever. We're past. Yeah. Let's yeah. use it for the more powerful things. That's why I love that you brought up not just gratitude, but also the visualization. Use that imagination in a good way instead of a bad way. Yeah, to
1: create. Yeah. Well, the problem is that our brains haven't actually evolved enough right. from that that survival, right? Because so all of that judgment perfectionism stuff, that's your survival brain. Right. Taking over. So our brains unfortunately to that we have a prefrontal cortex as humans we're the only species that does that allows us to rationally think but the problem is is that it's such a new part of our brain that it has the wiring is so it's like a dirt road whereas mm-hmm. our survival brain is like a five-lane highway so our brain is like well i'm gonna take the five-lane highway right so i'm right. gonna just make you worry because that's way easier than being imaginative right like fuck, fuck imagination that's too hard right right okay. Yeah. Love it.
0: Man, we are we are interesting creatures. That's why this is I love people and I love people that study people and work with people because there's still so much for us to learn about ourselves, how to get the most out of what yeah. we are and who we can be and what we can do. And so as we wrap here, this is everything I was hoping it was going to be. And then something like you <laughs> said, I'm like, oh, shit, like, I don't want to stop yet. Like we're at 40 yeah. minutes already. I don't want to <laughs> shut it down. We can keep going. But yeah. I got two you know, real final questions here. So the first, you know, we called like the big three. Right. It's like we've talked a lot about growth and imposter syndrome and fear and things of that nature. Like if you, the three core things you wanted people to walk from, from this conversation, what would those three key takeaways be?
1: Okay. So values, you got to, you've got to do a values exercise to really get clear on your two core values and start evaluating your life against them, you know, am I honoring these values or am I not honoring these values? Because then you'll know what you need to do and change. You can go into action. Because when we don't have clarity, um, we feel overwhelmed, right? And we feel unable in- to act. So get your clarity on your values so that you can start taking action, right? Um, t- two is gratitude journaling in the morning, honestly. Just like, just do it. <laughs> you got to do mm-hmm. it. Like it's it'll change your life. Um, and I think three is because I know that this is just everyone's pain point right now. And so why don't we just come together and create it for ourselves, which is like, find your tribe, right? We've all been so isolated. Every single one of my clients is lacking community in their lives and it causes so much stress and it causes a depletion of growth too, right? Which then causes more stress because if you're not growing, then you feel like you're right. So either create your community, find your community. You can have multiple communities. It doesn't have to just be one, right? Like when I think about who I want in my tribe, you know, it's a lot. There's a lot of things, right? And I can't I can't just like, you know, I can't just like expect people to be everything for me, right? So like I have a workout community, right? I have a community of coaches, right? And then I have like my sales community, right? And they all they all fulfill different needs for me, but you need to feel like you belong somewhere. And when you belong, you feel safe. And when you feel safe, you feel brave, right? You feel like you always have people behind you that are going to catch you, even if you fall.
0: I, I love it. I love it. And I mean, that could have been the episode right there. I mean, there's just so <laughs> much juice even in those three things. And like, it kind of overlaps into the last question here, right? Because like the name of the podcast is Live Better, Sell Better.
1: Mm-hmm. And I have
0: this really weird idea right? That if we took better care of ourselves, if we had more gratitude, if we had more joy and energy and fulfillment, that the sales would also improve. So you're crazy. Your, you're right, crazy. Weird, that weird how, yeah. how that would work out. <laughs> you've, you know, you've touched on a lot of things that fall into this, but like, what would your live better advice be for people listening? Like how, how to live better day to day?
1: I think that hmm, there's so much there. I'm trying to think of something that I haven't already yeah. said because I don't want to sound like a broken record. Yeah, I mean, a, repeti- like repetition, repetition so, is yeah. everything.
0: Repetition's everything. There's <laughs> nothing true. wrong with it's it.
1: True. Yeah. <sighs> you know, I think I think it goes back to the the a surefire way to live better is to be with people that inspire you all the time because you are a product of those people right Mm -hmm. you're a product of the people you hang out with most and so make them amazing badass people right because if they're not doing cool interesting fun inspiring things you won't have bravery to do it either
0: right so true so true and then so speaking of amazing brilliant badass individuals you are one of them how can people get more of where can they find you? Where can they follow you? Where can they get the content yeah. you're putting out? Where could they work with you? I'm sure there's people that hear this and go, hey, like I need more of that in my life. How do people get more Allie in their life?
1: Absolutely, yeah. Like my whole thing is really around growth and community and how we can create a freaking limitless potential for people. Um, so I'd love to work with your awesome audience. Um, best way to find me is on LinkedIn. So my name, yeah. Ali Rosakos. And then pretty easy, my website, Um So you'll find all the ways to get in contact with me, follow my content on LinkedIn. I post five days a week. I have a newsletter that you can find on my website. So those two places are definitely where you'll find me.
0: Oh, yes. Well, I'm signing up for that newsletter for sure. Because also that's yeah. where I think I can live continuously, vicariously through you in lovely Costa Rica, which I'm yes. jealous of. But it's
1: basically so- a, a, so- weekly, a weekly dose of the things that I'm still learning.
0: Hell yes. Well Ali, I learned things today. I know the audience learned things today. Thank you so much for your time, your energy, your insights. It was amazing. Really appreciate it.
1: Thank you for the great questions.
0: Hell yeah.